I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy, a movie podcast where we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes certain films good or bad. I'm your host, Zachary Rancourt, and every week I bring together other film enthusiasts to analyze, discuss, dissect, and review, I'll just, there we go, some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our, sure is, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insight into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and join us as we explore the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes a movie great. All that I ask is don't be crazy. Sorry for the fumbling of the words there. It's been a day. Um, but uh, where we lose it, Zach. Yeah, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, sorry. So I have some very special guests on the show today. Um, I have back for another another episode. I got David Dassa of the Geek Garage podcast. David, Hey-o. what's up? What is up? Uh, I am just chilling like a villain, like Matt Dillon on penicillin. Wow. Damn. Okay, 8 Mile. Calm down there. <laughs> Mom spaghetti. Yeah, right. And right. then... And then, as always, the oh-so-wonderful Amanda Jane Stern back for back for it again. How's it going, Amanda? You know, it's good. I feel like I uh, spoke to you recently. <laughs> I know. <laughs> for, for people who don't know, because uh, this episode will be coming out uh, for October, we are celebrating our Spooktober month mm-hmm. with this very first movie. But Amanda and I just recorded an episode yesterday yep. for the final uh, Crazy, for, crazy Swayze. for Swayze September episode and that will come out probably soon so um yeah i know it's, it's, it's all back to the future time stuff right now going on as, as you're listening but i actually i had a sweatshirt prepared to wear but it's too warm in my apartment because we have the oven going for dinner but i have a ouija board sweatshirt that i've been wearing and i was gonna uh-huh. wear it while we started our our spooktober there you go and um i mean exactly so like let's just hop into it because we've got a big episode I love Spooktober. October is my absolute favorite month. Um, it's at, it's up here in Washington State. The the foliage is just absolutely beautiful. It's my favorite time to hike. But more importantly, it's Halloween month. And so for the entire month, um, just like Amanda and David probably do this, I watch a horror film every single day. So I love to talk about horror films on this podcast. So we are talking about a <laughs> brand new movie on Hulu from 2023 called No One Will Save You. No One Will Save You was directed by Brian Duffield, who he did a few movies, but uh, probably the more you know recognizable one that I had was The Babysitter Killer Queen, the sequel to The Babysitter, which I actually really enjoyed. I enjoyed both of them. He didn't write that. He didn't write that? No. He was, he was he a wrote, writer for it. No, he wrote the first The Babysitter, the sequel. Um, Killer Queen. He just Queen. Is, right. is based on characters created by credit. Oh, uh, okay. I'm going to redo that then. Uh, see, I, I was very tired and I pieced this together. It's been a day. I'm very trepidatious about bringing up any movie trivia right now or nah, really we'll ever if Amanda is involved in the conversation <laughs> because obviously she knows more than both of us and <laughs> obviously she's not afraid as she shouldn't be to to call us out. So I mean, I'm sure um, there's I a lot terrified. of trivia I don't know, but I did Google him today to to look up Wait, okay, gotcha. I know he's the babysitter. What else is did he do? And then I realized, oh, this is really oh, only his second directing I was credit. just reading, yeah, I was just reading it where it just says based on characters created by 
I I took it as like, okay, that's the first thing I can think of. So I just pulled that anyways. Okay. This movie is directed by Brian Duffield. He also wrote it. Um, I don't know what else he did. Uh, the movies, it stars Kat, uh, Caitlin Devers, is it Catlin? Caitlin Devers, Caitlin. Uh, Elizabeth Kaluiv and Zach Duhame, which those two, I don't know who they are, but Caitlin Devers, I definitely recognize her from Booksmart and some other movies. And she's uh, the main character. Critically on IMDb, I know it's early, but it has a 6.4 out of 10 right now. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, 80% critic score and 59% audience score. Uh, I, I recently watched a video on Rotten Tomatoes and how just skewed that is. If you do look at the Rotten Tomatoes uh, top 10 movies of all time, they have like Black Panther as number one. It's pretty ridiculous. So take that for, for what it's worth. Um, Black Panther's not a bad movie, but their system is broken. So anyways, <laughs> I digress. Again, it's streaming on Hulu. If you have Hulu, uh, I watched it. I don't, I have the, the, uh, basic Hulu plan. So it had ads really frustrating twice, three times actually in the movie that it had uh, 90 second ad breaks, but I'm not willing to fork over that extra, like $3 a month for it. Cause it's just, it's ridiculous, but uh, keep that in mind. I and somehow the, only got. I, I have the same plan. I somehow only got one. Ad. I know sometimes in the algorithm, you'll uh, it'll mix things up, and then even sometimes it'll just uh, it, it'll give you the option to just add dump for like five minutes. Yeah, and then you can watch the movie ad free, and anytime mm -hmm. it offers that, I'm like, yes, please. Oh, absolutely! Give me ten minutes of ads at the beginning, and then none. Yeah. Yeah. They usually do like they'll have ones that'll say watch 200 seconds of ads. I know Peacock does that. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate that more than this. But, yeah. you know, who knows? I just signed up for the Disney Plus basic plan. So now I'll start having ads for that. Oh, boy. Um, so yeah. here we go. Um, so the budget was twenty two point eight million estimated. Uh, so there we go. Straight to Hulu. I'm sure they forked over a lot of a lot of cheese for that. Uh, a couple fun facts from this movie. The alien design is heavily based on the sketches done in America in the 1950s described by abducted people and people that had close encounters of the third kind. And I will say that I have a question later about aliens, but I'll save it. They did very much look like what a stereotypical alien would look like. Uh, there are only eight words spoken through the entire film, which is fascinating. So the script for that. Probably the easiest uh, memorization of your lines ever. <laughs> the actions, not so much, but the lines, uh, that's very easy to remember. <laughs> and then finally, so with that, the first official dialogue moment happens at the one hour, nine minute and five second mark when she apologizes and says she's sorry. Here is a spoiler filled synopsis for anyone who has not seen No One Will Save You. If you don't want the spoiler filled synopsis, skip ahead about five minutes. Bryn is a seamstress still living in her childhood home who mourns the loss of her mother, Sarah, and her best friend, Maud. She copes with these losses by constructing a model town in her living room. A past event appears to have turned the entire town against Bryn, so she leads an anxious, solitary, and withdrawn life. Uh, one night, she awakens to discover an intruder in her home and quickly realizes the intruder is a humanoid alien. Bryn attempts to escape, but is stalked by the intruder. When the alien uses telekinesis to subdue her, Bryn accidentally stabs it in the head with a broken frag fragment of her model town's school bell tower, causing it to release Bryn. Bryn discovers all electronic devices were rendered useless after the alien's intrusion. She abandons her car and the alien's body before heading into town. 
She passes her neighbor's ransacked house and an overturned mail van as she makes her way to the police station. At the station, Bryn unexpectedly encounters Maud's parents, who happen to be the chief of police and his wife. Maud's mother looks at Bryn with contempt, spits in her face, and walks out of the station. Bryn decides to flee, but as she rides a bus leaving town, several passengers attempt to restrain her, all of whom are puppeteered by other aliens, and chase her. She comes across a deserted church and visits Maud's grave, only to spot a group of people who appear to be under the control of small tentacled creatures that slither visibly beneath the skin of their throats. At Bryn's home that evening, a glowing light carries the alien's corpse out of her house, and Bryn is forced to fend off two more creatures. After an intermittent fight with a similar alien, Bryn impales it through a wardrobe with a broken mop handle and slams the wardrobe on its head. Bryn flees her home, but is caught and dragged by an alien-controlled man to a flying saucer's tractor beam. However, just as she is about to be raised into the craft, she kicks the man into the tractor beam and runs away. The third and much larger alien stalks and attacks Bryn, eventually climbing over the house to catch her. She leads it into her station wagon, where or outback, where its uh, long limbs become trapped in the unfamiliar cabin. One of its feet puncture one of its feet punctures the gas tank, which Bryn ignites. A flying saucer extinguishes the flames with a ray, but the creature is burned to death. After running back into her home, a humanoid alien tele- telekinetically throws her through a wall, and she is restri- uh, restrained with a red ray. The alien levitates and regurgitates a tentacled creature, which forcibly enters Bryn's mouth. Bryn immediately falls into an intense hallucination in which her home is undamaged and her best friend, Maud, is still alive, but she breaks free of her hallucination and tears the tentacled creature from her mouth. The alien summons a flying saucer and it levitates the tentacled creature and causes it rapidly to grow a body double of Bryn. The Bryn double chases the real Bryn into the woods. The Bryn double catches Bryn and stabs her, but she kills it with a box cutter and escapes to a deserted road. There, she encounters a huge alien before being sucked into the flying saucer. Inside, Bryn is physically probed by a group of humanoid aliens, forcing her to remember the event that turned the entire town against her. During an argument in a field, Bryn is knocked to the ground by Maud, and she strikes Maud in the head with a stone, killing her. The aliens converse with one another and return Bryn to Earth without a tentacled organism controlling her thoughts and actions. Sometime later, Bryn lives in, an, in her undamaged home, Every other resident of her town is now evidently under control of the aliens, and yet, in a stark reversal of Bryn's life before the invasion, the townspeople are quite neighborly with her. That is No One Will Save You. It was a lot. It's Uh, a mouthful. (laughs) It was an hour and a half movie. I feel like that synopsis was an hour and a half. Yeah, a lot happened in the movie. um, A lot of stuff. (laughs) Um, It's... It's 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 fascinating, and I you know I said this at the start: um, thriller, horror, kind of home invasion, whatever you want to call this movie, it's a movie. And and I was explaining too how how much I love horror films. Uh, it's why I love Spooktober. And anyone who's listened to this before knows that I've discussed this previously. But horror is just this incredible genre because you can do so much with the myriad of subgenres that it has. So I've seen a lot of horror films, but. Many don't really scare me Um, in the moment. You know, I'll have like a little jump scare here and there. Some have become a little too predictable, but sometimes you get ones that really hit you and you're like, holy buckets. Possession and abduction movies are the two that scare me the most, though. So when I see a paranormal activity, I still get goosebumps when I when I see it. Uh, Any type of alien movie, even nope. 
watching Nope, I still had moments where I was like, nope, 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 nope. Like I, I don't like it. Um, so I usually get pretty nervous and anxious while watching any of those, uh, you know, movies particularly that have to do with aliens or, or paranormal activities. But I want to ask you guys, did this movie, uh, no one will save you. Did it scare either of you at all? And on top of that, if, if so, or if not, what horror genres and subgenres scare you the most, uh, whoever wants to start. Amanda, you can go ahead. Um, I mean, okay. I wouldn't say it, it's scared, scared me, but there are definitely very tense moments. There was a lot of me being very like, you know, tensed up and, and waiting for that release of leaving, of, of getting to like breathe again. Um, yeah, I, we, we kind of in advance of this talked about what really scares us. And I used to be the biggest scaredy cat as a kid, all horror movies scared, unless it was about serial killers for some reason oh, if, it was, if it was grounded in real life i wasn't scared if it wasn't grounded i was terrified that is not the case anymore and i'm, I'm trying to think of the last thing that truly scared me and it's more there's a lot that unsettles me or it makes my skin crawl and feel creepy um but there's a movie from i think it's 1963 called The Innocence with Deborah Carr. It's um, it's an adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. That's oh. really unsettling. I love it. Um, it uh, the, the director, because they worked on a low budget, um, used these, he would put like Vaseline and things over the lens so that there were, you know, spaces in the corners of the lens that you couldn't see and that were blurry. And that really added to it being very creepy. So that I found super unsettling. But mm-hmm. there's nothing that I've watched. Re- and I watched, obviously, a lot of horror movies. But there's nothing that I'm like, I'm terrified. I have not seen The Turn of the Screw or Turning of the Screw. And I haven't seen the various adaptations. But I do know a lot of horror fans who really love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get it's what great. you mean by, by unsettled. Just some visuals. Uh, so... And I think I've told this story to David because he likes Stephen King a lot. When I was a kid, I was a little wimp. And I remember my dad was watching Maximum Overdrive, which is a Stephen King directed (laughs) and adapted book. So he he wrote it and he also, yeah, he directed it. And it's like the most ludicrous plot where this weird gas comes down. And so every electronic comes to life or every basic thing comes to life that's not a human. And so we have lawnmowers running over people, hair dryers choking people. And so I came in at a scene that I saw that that lawnmower's hunting for this kid and there's like bloody bodies everywhere. It it fucked me up. I was like, what am I doing right now? So that that kind of stuff terrified me. And I I vividly remember those parts. And I remember Emilio Estevez in it. I remember this lady, uh, you know, getting shot up by this this uh, military truck that had a gun in it. It was it was it was crazy stuff. So I, I feel you on 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 that kind of younger year more Mm -hmm. visceral reaction from those things but there's nothing now that really like that gets you like after you see it you go home and you're like maybe i should turn all the lights on in the house no it really and i'm i'm you know waiting for that to happen again i guess it just it hasn't i as a kid the ring which i don't even really like terrified the shit out of me Mm -hmm. i would sleep with the tv on um for a long time because I know in in some weird way I thought that would counteract. Yeah. 
It's like, well, no one can climb through the television if it's on, obviously. <laughs> right. Total sense. Very logical. But no, I there's a lot that really makes me unsettled. But there's nothing in that that sense where it gets under your skin so much that you're terrified. It's And there are definitely a lot of things I watch where people say, oh, this actually terrified me so much. And I watch it and I'm like, well, it moved me. But in a different emotional way, like Hill House, a lot of people were really terrified of Hill House. I was definitely unsettled by it, but it, it made me more sad, you know? Right. <laughs> now, which Hill House? The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. I do love okay. The Haunting from 1960. Great I was about movie. to say, I did listen to, I, I think I've uh, heard most of the, most if not all of the episodes of DBC that you've been on. Uh, my favorite has been um the the haunting episode because i learned so much you guys discussed everything about the haunting of hill house um that uh, i didn't know because you talked about uh, obviously <laughs> it was the 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 shitty aughts movie yeah. um and then you spent time talking about the the amazing robert weiss film yeah, and so i think good. you discussed a little bit of the shirley jackson novel mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so much so that i went and watched that movie and read that book oh my because, god uh because you talked it up so much um yeah that was definitely an episode where where my my film student dork hat went on <laughs> <laughs> i can relate yeah yeah David, what about you? What kind of what kind of stuff scares you? Keeps you up at night? So I'm pretty much in the same camp as Amanda with this, um, and, and I guess on most accounts um, with both the film and just overall. Uh, so it, uh, I enjoyed it. I uh, I thought it was creepy and like scary at times, but not terrifying. Um, Aliens will always hold a uh, a special place in my heart because it was like my first foray into the horror and sci-fi and suspense uh, genre um, or genres. And so like, like um, anticipating what they were going to do with the aliens, um, especially in terms of the design, um, I was very anxious to see. And I was kind of excited to see that they went with like the gray men or like the, the, the little gray, gray people, whatever you want to call that, you know, uh, subset of aliens. And uh, yeah, just like the way that they moved, um, the fact that there was a couple different kinds, you know, you have like your typical one that's like maybe a little bit more than human height and have like a little miniature one. Uh, and then one that's basically a giant fucking crab spider spider uh, yeah. oh my, just, just like with the the clicking and the cracking yeah. of the like bones yeah. oh my god oh, like, i love the sound so, design mm-hmm. uh, amazing yeah like that's yeah i know we'll talk later about the the lack of dialogue and all that um so i'll save my comments for that but um yeah in terms of like what scares me the most uh i'd say um, like you, Zach, you know, we've discussed this, um, ad nauseum, uh, you know, pure, uh, paranormal and spiritually driven horror, like the exorcist, um, stuff like that. Um, I know, laugh it up. Um, <laughs> I love the, we've talked a lot yeah. off the pod about how much Zach does not like the exorcist and how much I like it, but do not it's, find it scary. 
it's yeah. it's a Zach, you're just a, a product of seeing it way too late in life. It's oh, a I, movie I, that you 100%, have to grow up with. I hundred percent understand that and, and yeah. get it. And so I'll never knock anybody for not liking it or for you know for liking it, but I'm just I'm like waste of time for me. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I so uh things that can tie um the paranormal and the uh and the surreal and the real. Yeah. all together into one package um, at the risk of sounding like beating a dead horse, talking about fucking Mike Flanagan again. <laughs> Basically just everything that he does is incredible. Um, I actually got to uh, Zach. I know we discussed this um, when you came to hang out in Nashville, but um, he responded to one of my questions on his uh, um, Tumblr AMA. Um, I asked him about, uh, before I wake and he kind of gave me the the skinny on that because it's one like Loki one of my favorites where he ties in like uh, supernatural horror and that um, just that like those relatable mm-hmm. feelings of like emptiness and longing and uh, yeah like it, it's one of the few movies where I was like scared shitless and crying by the end of it just dirty buckets <laughs> um <laughs> but also like like Bo is afraid that's a recent one that i watched where i was just like i am not okay after this like this is just anxiety the movie mm-hmm. yeah um and then <laughs> the movie creep uh so i i've actually had uh, coincidentally um i've had this conversation a lot lately i think it's because like just because of spooky season and Rick and Morty is coming back. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a fan of Rick and Morty. I do acknowledge the quote unquote brilliance of the show, but it's not my thing. Um, I don't like drunk people and I don't like drunk people that act like assholes and <laughs> um, take advantage of other people and think are that they're we, better than everyone else. Are referencing something that happened in real life? Um, I may or may not, but definitely did grow up with alcoholic parents, both no, of them. Yeah. Um, and so people that are unpredictable, that are creepy, like the dude in Creep, um, mm-hmm. I very, very uncomfortable. It makes me, um, that was a one and done. I will never, ever fucking watch that movie ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah um so stuff like that is you know it's kind of a a mixed bag um overall but there's still you know like finding that good scare is always going to be like chasing the dragon you know like (laughs) you're i don't think especially with all the shit that i've seen i'd say like terrifier in terms of like physical like gore and stuff like that's probably the closest it's come because that's it's just off the fucking charts um but see, uh, I'm not into that kind of horror. I just I don't love that much gore. It's not that mm-hmm. it scares me. I'm just like, okay. Yeah, that that much is it. It is over the top, but like, it's I don't, to me, it's like terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, hence the name. <laughs> I, exactly. I know there's just so much bad women representation in that, and I would just get angry instead. I'd be like, oh fuck this fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's funny because like I've heard like like two polarizing um, like uh, opinion shout pieces on how it's both anti-women and pro-women. I'm like, OK, and I'm just a, a fucking 30 odd white dude standing <laughs> here and I'm like, I 
kind of like it. There's a lot of blood. Yeah. You know what <laughs> I, I loved? Um, that was also a Hulu movie. I think it was from last year or two years ago. Fresh. Oh, oh yeah. This, That's been on my really, list for a while. That that one I really that one makes your skin crawl. It definitely does. Okay. I'm but a it, fan of I'm a it, fan of Sebastian Stan. He like commits, him. he is having a blast, but it also does something that I love. Female rage. Legitimate rage. And I was so here for it. <laughs> I, I wasn't yelling, girl, don't be a stupid bitch. You're being a stupid bitch. Run back and kill him. <laughs> she was like, no, I'm gonna go for the fucking overkill. Oh, you're still not dead? Fuck you, asshole. I <laughs> love that so much because so many times you're like, girl, stop being such a dumb fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely all about the uh, the all-empowered, uh, incredible female characters in mm-hmm. uh, pretty much everything, but especially in horror. Like the final girl the trope final girl. is uh, my <laughs> one of my favorite horror tropes. Have you um, Have you read the book that coined that term? Uh, we've talked about it on this show before. <laughs> okay, so that's I was like, my brain was going in two different directions. I, it, it was like, no, I haven't read it, but the other half of my brain was like, where have I heard this before? And mm-hmm. it was on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It was me. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. called Men, Women, and Chainsaws. It was written by a college professor named Carol J. Clover. Um, okay. I just looked at my bookshelf because I have it somewhere over there. Um, okay. It's amazing, but it is this sort of feminist exploration of exploitation horror films. Um, and she coined the term final girl in that. Let me, let me ask this too. So David mentioned the aliens in this and, you know, the little gray man. Um, it was an interesting design. I think some of them didn't work for me, but some other ones really did. And I think I, I really applauded that. The one thing I did not like, though, I'm more of a I'm more of a less is more approach when it comes to stuff like this. And I think the hard thing is, is we're getting all these close ups of aliens and and them being actual, you know, majority characters in this. It kind of threw it off for me a little bit. I think I would have liked to see more possessed people like the neck tickle thing was pretty cool. Um, I probably would have liked to see. We don't know what the hell is invading her home or we just get bits and pieces. And then you get those big reveals later where you have the freaking spider alien chasing. I think that that would have been a better approach for this. Um, But it's also not my movie. But that's just I think that's how it got a little ridiculous for me. So it's funny you mentioned that Um, when I uh, Lindsay was she was like, yeah, let's uh, I'll sit down here and watch it with you and if it gets too scary i'll just turn around um (laughs) and so i looked it up on youtube and i was reminded that it wasn't a series it was a movie because everything is a fucking series now and i I was like i was like thank god like Mm -hmm. just a movie like one and done boom and after it was done i was like i was like i enjoyed it but there's a couple things that i can't quite put my finger on and you just helped me realize that coincidentally this might have worked better as like a five or six episode series probably like with like 40 to 45 or 50 minute episodes where they could fully flesh out the town maybe that's just me reading way too much stephen king in the last couple years um but that's just something that he does so well and gets uh adapted usually pretty well in the series that um as opposed to films um 
well, it's just yeah. the the fully fleshed out neighborhoods and towns and cities with all the different characters and mm-hmm. I, I think so let's jump to that then real quick so i like i think i think it's it, it's clear i don't know if it's it's too clear but i i really wanted to like this movie but i think it just kind of fell flat for me for some reason and and just like you're saying it feels like a tv episode it feels like episode three of a five-part miniseries or six-part miniseries, um, kind of like a monster of the week episode from Buffy or Twilight Zone or whatever, right? And so I, I want to expand on that. What you, what you guys are th- uh, thinking and and would what would have made it more of a movie then in that setting, David or Amanda? No, you're right. It does kind of feel like it could be a TV episode more or. See, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I do generally like the less is more approach where maybe you don't see the aliens as much. You just see their shadow. Because there are yeah. a few moments where you see the outline and the shadow of it, and that is very startling. Yes. Let me give you a couple examples. Signs. Signs leads up to that moment that it's behind, right? We get we get the first glimpse of the alien, and, and we're like, holy shit, we're experiencing it with, with Meryl when he sees it for the first time. And it, it's a better payoff at the end because you're like, you barely see the aliens. You see them through clever reflections, and it works really, really well for me. Um, granted, that's a, a slightly longer movie, but still, they handle the alien thing very well. Very well. Um, additionally, uh, I look at a horror movie like Jaws, right, where because of technical issues, they couldn't show the shark, but they did a POV style underwater shark and still made it very terrifying. Bruce! You can, <laughs> yeah, Bruce, yeah. You can you do... You need a bigger boat. You can do so much with the less is more approach, and and I, I feel that a movie like this that's trying to go less is more with the limited dialogue and, 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 and um, one set thing, you know, home invasion style movie... They should have stuck with that. And and I think the thing that I didn't like about it was it just jumped all over the place. It seemed more grand than it needed to be. It seemed like War of the Worlds is happening in Podunk Town, Finger Lakes, New York or whatever. And um, I'm sure it's lovely up there. I've never been. But it, it just didn't fit with what was going on. I'm like, you got to be telling me that a whole fucking town, this police department doesn't get reports from other people who have things going on and all the phones get shut off and whatever, right? I'll suspend the disbelief a little bit, but then we just focus on showing the aliens. It just seemed like too much into an hour and a half movie. So that's kind of how I feel. It's a TV episode and I'm wondering how it could be better. Uh, So I've been reading a lot of short story collections um, here lately, uh, especially this year. So I think just naturally I had less of a problem with that whole like leaving a lot of stuff out Mm -hmm. that would generally be in like maybe a two hour or two and a half hour movie um, or, or, you know, a fully fleshed out series. Um, I I was a little bit more okay with, um, you know, what you see is what you get with this. Um, I do definitely relate and understand uh, the whole monster of the week or twilight zone vibe like mm-hmm. for sure. Um, <clears throat> but to me, like, I don't think it fell flat. I, I think it offered just enough to be, you know, be like, Oh, that was pretty good. Um, you know, like, uh, like Caitlin Dever's performance, like yeah. acting good. against no one basically mm-hmm. with no lines. Uh, fantastic. Um, she got face. 
She did great. I think yeah, she did a very the, good job. Yeah, she's a good face actor. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, a side note, what do you think about actor versus actress? Wh- which one do you use? I alternate. Um, okay. I started acting way back when, um, when you really did say actor, actress, and it's it's changed over the years. So I, I still alternate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'll I- use either. Acting. I was just curious. I, 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 I just I like use like using actor because so it, I, it feels like the yeah. the non gendered version of like, like it's just easier to use like they them like yeah because, no there's no reason to gender actor actress we don't direct yeah. gender director writer yeah <laughs> director directress direct well yeah directress <laughs> yeah directress it's, it seems you know, a little we're not a gendered language the way others are mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It's just seems a little nonsensical. To it me, is not nonsense. <laughs> totally. <is. laughs> um, but yeah, like I was saying earlier, like I, I really enjoyed the alien design, like, uh, how most of them were the uh, kind of the prototypical stuff. Like once again, kind of hearkening back to my childhood and what I grew up with, um, and what I, what made me fall in love with horror, um, it's just, you know, that bit of nostalgia for me is like mm-hmm. the the traditional, you know, like, uh, you know, aliens that are that are gray, that are kind of slimy and hairless with the big <laughs> eyes and the big heads. Um, Love those and, hairless aliens. <laughs> and Shaved. Then, right. And then they took it up a fucking notch where she goes outside and. That was gnarly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she looks up at the house and there is. Dude, it's freaking <laughs> Yeah, there's like an a, a insect alien that's spider. the size of her house. Like, yeah. oh my god, yeah, that was um, rad. Even like the baby with alien. the long arms too. I was like, dang, that thing's got long arms, <laughs> no, and it's like a I'm, baby. <laughs> I'm with you more, Dave, on this. I I actually really enjoyed it. I, but I also think. I think it's a character study, this movie. It's mm-hmm. about this woman who, and then there's also an alien invasion, you right, know, right. and she's gone through a lot of shit. And then, and you, you, you know, you know, something bad happened when she was young and her friend is definitely dead. And you're thinking, okay, small podunk town, something probably happened and everyone blames her, but she was a kid. She's probably not really responsible. <laughs> and then you see what happened and you're like, wait, shit, what? Yeah, so that was um so if we want to talk about the things that uh I actually had problems with, that is it. Mm. I, I it's not that I don't think that the 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 big reveal was earned or was a good payoff, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was the best. <clears throat> I'm with you on that. Like okay. I um I kind of figured that it probably had something to do with um some sort of accidental death where yeah. she could have done something but chose not to or couldn't or some sort of drowning maybe but um <clears throat> that was not that yeah so when she hit her friend in the head with a rock i was like okay so not exactly what i was thinking but within the same ballpark mm-hmm. and i like that coupled with so the tombstone said 2012. Mm-hmm. Her 12. mom's tombs. What? That would make them 12 because it said 2000 to 2012. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and her mom's tombstone said 2019. So mm-hmm. it's at least 2019, if not present day, which would make it 2023. So 
I didn't quite buy the fact that there is still so much animosity yes. towards this girl, especially to the point where, like, is oh, she really? literally going around every fucking day and having this bitch's mom spit in her fucking face yeah. every single day I or think every she's single been time? Avoiding them for for a long time. But, but that's still, I'm with David on that. But that's like, still it, a long time to, yeah. to harbor that much hatred. And I mean, I'm not religious. We've kind of talked about it, but isn't it about forgiveness of that? It's not like she maliciously went to go kill her. And obviously it's eating her up inside. And I get that the mom is upset, but like, that's a long enough time to they kind need, of maybe oh, reassess. I don't, yeah. I don't know reassess. that people would. Yeah, they need I, to establish some sort of like, like that she has... Other than the plot synopsis, we need something that's saying she uh, has been avoiding people for years. Like, I mean, I get that the plot kind of hints at that, but I need some sort of. This is also the police chief's daughter. They were they're high up people in the community. This isn't a nobody, you know, who lives in the trailer next door. This is way up there. Mm-hmm. then why not then then either go all the way in with it and like have people vandalizing her house every day or because she's avoiding everybody in town mm-hmm. yeah, like people she call her she does get that phone call yeah but I, I i'm i'm expecting more like child murder or just fucking move like she should just move and so there's there's a lot with it and i understand you know that's her mom's house and, and so on and so forth um but i don't think she's emotionally matured is, is why she's not moving she yeah. she herself is trapped yeah. in in being that 12 year old that but oh i don't know i buy that that town would be that i think there's a lot of deep-seated hatred in small I towns I, I i had a hard time uh believing in 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 the world or getting into the world uh one fun thing that i thought was i thought it was pretty on the nose was when she's leaning against her mom's or she's like having lunch at her mom's um headstone and it says like judy or sarah whatever it's like bryn's mom or something i'm like oh that was her mom i was like there we go <laughs> so yeah who's the sarah lady oh it's, it's mother of bryn oh okay thanks <laughs> thanks for calling me an idiot and not putting two and two together so i i was like that's pretty funny um i mean i see what you're saying amanda there there definitely could be the animosity could still be there and it fits with the story i just it didn't work for me I thought it was ridiculous, and I know I'm saying that in a movie about aliens, but you you have to have some sort of realism in this movie if that's if that if you're going for a different meaning. The crime could have been a couple years later when yes. they were. Yes, and she could have been she could have been 17 and like a drunk driver or something, and then it would have been the that would have weighed is what more. That would put her in. Uh, she would have then gone to jail instead of being under some sort of house Well, I mean, mens rea, if she's 16 or 17, depending on what it is, right? Like, I mean, there's there's loopholes, right? But I, I get, I, I know what you mean. heavenly creatures that you could put in more 14, 15. That's when you're at a, you're not a kid kid. Right. But that's enough of a, it's not that long ago. If that was 2012 and they were born in 2000, then she's like 21, 22 when this Something movie's like going on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, um, so this movie, it's rated PG-13, and I know that because as soon as I started it, it popped up, and I was like, oh, thanks for telling me it's a PG-13 movie. <laughs> um, that might kind of explain a little bit, too, why maybe I didn't like this movie as much, because I immediately was like, I don't know if this is going to be good or not, or good enough, 
as a horror film. And I picked this movie because I thought it would it looked really cool from the the cover art and the trailer. And I wanted it to start Spooktober that way. But like I'm saying, I'd be lying if I said I the PG-13 rating, you know, if it didn't make me somewhat apprehensive and if it was going to be worth it. So I guess, is this a fair thing for me to do to judge this so-called horror movie on its rating even before I watch it? And then I guess furthermore, to follow up on that, should should the coveted R ratings be attached to any horror film to really make it good? So is it fair? Um, probably not. Uh, that being said, I do the same thing. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so I uh, roundabout. Um, I uh, I will have preconceived ideas or notions um, or just preformed thoughts about what I'm getting myself into or, uh, you know, I guess expectations, you know, I I will, I will, um, retard them, uh, if Mm -hmm. you will, because, uh, like, like the boogeyman, um, this, that, and, and this movie, I didn't realize was PG 13 until you said something about it. Um, I mean, I might've seen the boogeyman. Yeah. Yeah, The boogeyman. Yeah. The new one that came out. Yeah. uh, It's PG, but it's not. Oh, Huh. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not watching it now. I so. know Megan was PG-13. <laughs> so, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, so I, I, I was. Um, I was going to. Yeah. So I was going to bring that up as a an example um, of why I have recently actively decided to not go see any anything underrated R, uh, especially horror in theaters, um, because. I don't have time to go to the movies anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I do, it's a very, very special experience. Um, and most of the time my movies are fucking ruined for me. Um, Zach and I have discussed this, uh, at qu- uh, great length. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, th- it was the same with the boogeyman. Like mm-hmm. people just would not shut the fuck up, drove me nuts. Uh, but also like, uh, so like in, in terms of like PG 13 movies, not being able to get super scary um the ring is also pg-13 no and we have all seen the infinite uh infamous closet scene um that scared the piss out of literally everyone um and uh yeah that was directed by a dude that does like family adventure films like pirates of the caribbean <laughs> no that was pg what sure was yeah yeah, it definitely was. I'm looking now. Oh yeah, because I was able to see it, and it came out in like 2003. Yeah, and no, you're I right. Not... I saw it a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, but you know, um, like I said, I I definitely have a very similar thing where I'm like, oh, like it's PG-13. Okay, well, here we go. 90 minutes of my time that I'm not going to get back, but I already started the movie, so there's no turning back. <laughs> was a horror movie though i i think it was a more thriller. sci-fi yeah. it was a thriller with sci-fi elements it's a home invasion thriller it's, it's a tense thriller yeah i mean that's the way i think a lot or most alien movies go i mean like aside from alien mm-hmm. the original um they're pretty much all uh, the rest of them um and I'm not just talking about the alien slash aliens franchise. Yes, like no fire all, in the sky is also. You're right. It's it's a thriller. 
But Fire yeah, in the Sky at the end that scares, is, that scares yep, the, that's the shit out of me. And I think that alone in itself uh, amplifies it to a horror film. But I think that was also probably PG-13. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. Um, uh, probably not because of when it came out. Um, I think it came out, it might have come out before no, the PG-13 rating was created. No, ni- 93, it was PG-13. Oh, it's 93. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know why PG-13 was creative. Uh, Ronald Reagan's Nancy Reagan. I don't know. Indiana why? Jones. Oh, really? Which mm-hmm. one? The first one? Be- yeah, the first one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, I love that movie. Something in between the R and the PG. Oh. That's, uh, that's fascinating. Kind of a stupid rating. So I just, you know, while I was listening, I went through a list of some, and it had Screen Rant, which is a, I, I love that uh, YouTube channel and website, but they put the 50 most successful PG-13 movies or ones that were actually good. I was scrolling down and I didn't really like many of them, actually, <laughs> um, except for Insidious. Insidious is actually a PG-13 movie, and that's definitely a horror film. And they have that amazing jump scare when you get to see the monster behind Patrick yeah. Wilson. Darth Maul? Wilson. Dude, my God, <laughs> Patrick Wilson. It's so, that part I loved him. terrified me. Uh, Drag Me to Hell, the Sam Raimi one. I, I loved I that movie. That. And and I would classify both those easily as horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, so So you can do it, but I think mm-hmm. it's the exception, not the rule. Um, yeah. and, and and that's that's the tricky thing for me. And so I do think that that this movie, um, I gotta look at what it's called. No one will no one will save you. I believe that it is uh, it's definitely a horror film because it 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 sparks that home invasion and that abduction um, genre, and it kind of blends them. And I really really enjoyed that. Like I that was my favorite aspect of this film is is that uh, Brian Duffield was able to take an idea with two movies and. And, you know, mash them together. Um, you're just mashing it now. So it was <laughs> it, it, it was it was cool. I really liked that. And I do think that he he didn't use that many jump scares, which I really applaud him for, because he, he could tell a story without using that crutch. Right. Um, and so, like, I think it's a horror film, but I just am. I don't think it's that great of a horror film. And so I, I'm trying to, like, use this correlation is causation thing. And I know that's never a good thing to do. So, <laughs> um, no, cause I also, I don't think it needed to be super gory. I don't know that no. that would have actually added anything to not, it. Not at all. And I guess yeah. you could have gotten your R from a few well-timed fucks, you yeah. know, <laughs> which Except is definitely like if I, if I were in her situation, <laughs> I was definitely thinking through that a few times. Like, yeah, sure. If I'm home alone, there's a lot of me not talking, but then there's also times where I just talk to myself. Yeah. Um, not like I have full on out loud conversations, but I'll be doing something. I'll be like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I were dealing with a home invasion, there would definitely be a lot of. <laughs> I'd, I'd be very curious to know if the filmmaker was uh, either consciously or subconsciously aiming for a PG-13 rating or yeah. if he wasn't. And that's just what they happened to give it. Yeah, I don't know that he was. Yeah, it, it really feels like he it, it's the product of what he was trying to do. I could see like, that. Like yeah. that's that's what it feels like. Um like and, Hulu who holding the holding the bag and be like, "Hey, we're we we need this to be a PG-13 so we can get more audiences to watch it instead of an R rating." Mm-hmm. Would that really get more audiences to watch well, it? If you're watching it on Hulu, it's not so, like anyone can stop well, you. Well, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you that some people like, so So my girlfriend, her daughter, they, they have a rule that she can't watch PG-13 movies. And it's like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is PG-13. 
and now we're talking about this versus what's this movie called again? No one will save you. <laughs> um, so it shows how much I love this movie. But, you know, it really works for you. If we're talking Harry Potter four versus no one will save you. One of those things is not like the other. And so I do think that that rating jump, that ratings jump is different. And I mean, Amanda, just like you said, it's a few fucks away from an R rating or yeah. a few boobies away from an R rating. And you're just like, OK, so so just Hulu, slap it on. Yeah. Hulu knew what they were doing. And. I'm not saying that I'm with you 100%. This movie didn't need any any gore, really, because it was effective. Yeah. Um, it, it's just that, yeah. It, it was, Wait, it, no, you're right. It could get the R. It would be distressing to kids. It's definitely yes. a distressing movie. Yes, I, I completely agree. Um, let's move to this then. So uh, this movie, and I said this a little bit earlier too, it is very clever. Um, it's odd, but it's also worthless at times. So insert whatever adjective you want for your viewing experience. They use a lot of tricks in this movie. Um, And for example, there's this very little to no spoken, coherent dialogue. There's a lot of grunting. There's a lot of her maybe singing underneath her breath or kind of like that kind of stuff. So Bryn doesn't have a coherent line until the one hour, nine minute and five second mark, like I said in the trivia. And that was during her flashback when she apologizes to Maude or her hallucination. There we go. So I guess... We've seen a lot of tricks in films, one takes. We've seen uh, movies like Hush, where they don't speak, um, but then you, they kind of speak later on. So was this an effective trick for you with, with no dialogue? Did it hurt or enhance the movie at all, Amanda? Um, I think, you know, there are times that, I think as a whole it worked. Um, there are definitely times where there'd be little dialogue in the background. I'd be like, it's like The Sims. It sounds like The Sims talking. <laughs> That's and a that, good comparison. <laughs> yeah, and that would take me out a little bit. And and there were times where she was alone at home. And you're right, she's just making like breathy noises. And there were a few moments where I was like, are you really telling me she wouldn't be like exactly cursing this out under her breath? Exactly that almost breaks the tension for you if you can say that to yourself, you know? And so there were a few times where like, I think as a whole, yeah, it shouldn't have much dialogue. That's fine. But there should be times where it's like, maybe she says little things to herself. Yeah. That's, that's what I was getting at as I'm like, okay, I get it. It's fine. You can do the whole, there will be blood thing. And there's no actual line until like 24 minutes into the movie. And that's cool. You do that. But when she's on her own, I get, I get she's isolated. I get she's alienated. Mm-hmm. Get it? Um, but, um... I, I get it, but I, I work from home and I live alone and, and I'm still like, fuck. Or I just walk around mm-hmm. and I'm like, hey, looking good there, Zach, or something, you know, like. <laughs> oh, do you? Is that what you do? You no, look in the mirror no, and you're like, no. hey there, Zach, but I'll, looking I'll, good. I'll, I'll, I'll say things or I'll be like, well, that's weird. Or, you know, if an alien was attacking me, I'd be like, I don't like you, Mr. Alien. Like, I'm going to say something. I'm not going to go. You know, like it's just. <laughs> I know. I think by the time the like third alien popped up, I, in my mind, I'd be like, "Fuck again." I know. <laughs> really? How many are there of you? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, David. What do you think about? I think you you were talking about it earlier too. The sound, and you said we'd come back to it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I uh, I thought the lack of dialogue made sense for the structure and format of the film. Um, cause not only is, you know, she, the, uh, the main character, but oftentimes really the only character, the central character that we, you know, are focusing on. And I think that is something that actually enhances the movie. Uh, like 
you know, we can obviously talk about a quiet place here. So it's a good point. It is. They're similar, but also dissimilar, like a quiet place. They are quiet because the aliens are attracted to sound. So that's like something that they use to throttle the tension in the film, uh, which is a, a great way to, you know, bring tension and uh, and suspense and scares into your movie. Uh, but with this, it's more of like a, like a 2001 or a color out of space type thing where you'll just have extended periods of time with no dialogue. And it's more about like what is going on or what is being thought at that moment. Um, and I've, I've just been exposed to a lot more of those movies lately, uh, both old and contemporary and i really dig them because they i mean they help break up the the monotony of you know if you end up watching the same old shit over and over again by coincidence um or on purpose um it's kind of a good way to break it up so i thought it was a really fun um aspect of this movie that there was a, a wide lack of dialogue and that it's more about what's going on on screen and the actions that are being taken and like putting yourself in their shoes and like, Oh, like what are they thinking? And, and like trying to figure stuff out, like, you know, what is she, you know, figuratively and literally running from, from her past. Mm-hmm. Um, so and she's great at the facial expression. She's fantastic at it. Very yeah. much. So that was my favorite part. And I like how progressively I love when, when any final girl progressively gets dirtier because you can see the struggle. I, I know that sounds kind of weird coming out off the tongue, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it shows yeah. that she's, she's actually struggling and, and, and fighting. And this was cool to see what she was going through. And so when you get her taking that thing out after the hallucination, she's like filthy, but you're like, this yeah. poor girl has been through hell and she hasn't even left her. She just now left her house. So, Which is supposed to be her only safe space in exactly. this town. That is her one sanctity. Yeah, yeah. It's it's her quiet place. No, no. but no, it's true. I was listening to another <laughs> podcast earlier today when I was down at the gym, and they were talking about why. And it was an I don't even remember the movie, but it was an actiony horror thing. They're like, why did the main character? Why was her makeup better at the end of the movie <laughs> after she's been through all this shit than at the beginning when yeah. nothing's happened? Why does she look better now? That would not happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, gotta love those continuity things yep. that yeah. were, or, or where they prioritize, you know, how the, the actor looks versus how they should look. Well, you know, she has to be uh, fuckable. That's why, obviously. Oh, really? yeah. She can't be a mess. She can't be going uh, through it. Yeah. She has no. to always be oh, fuckable. Man. Yeah. yeah. Well, look at Ellen Ripley. She uh, she can get down, and yep. she can also gun down some aliens. So, well, uh, I, okay. I just love that Sigourney Weaver refused to shave her pubes when she was in underwear. Yeah. And, <laughs> so they had to go in and digitally remove every single one because she's like, "I'm not fucking doing that. I don't give a shit." Let that bush fly, baby. <laughs> Sam Elliott doesn't need to shave his pubes. Neither does Sigourney Weaver. He sure doesn't. Was that for one of the Alien movies? Yes, it was. When she gets down in her underwear in the first one. Okay. Because she's trying to hide and she gets into the the, uh, pod or the spacesuit thing. And yeah, so she's in her her white panties and then like a very short... 
like white tank top. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. Okay. I always remember that as a kid vividly. I'm like, does she have a pad in her pants? I'm like, oh, it's her pubes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Like, no. Like, I, no, Ellen would let that bush fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can fuck right Also, off. it's not, I'm sorry. There's there's no waxing salon up there. Where's she Exactly. Yeah, and if if you have razors, you're going to preserve them and not waste them on your bush. Yep. Uh, You know, you're going to use them on the parts that you might want to keep clean as opposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, the the luxury areas. And also, like, hey, she's up there. She's not thinking about, you know, how things look. She's not thinking about having sex with anybody, but also. Who gives a shit? If someone won't have sex with you because you got a bush, then do not have sex with that person because yeah. I'm sorry, fuck them. It, but it, don't it, fuck them. If that's like, a line that they're going to draw off. in space, yeah. like you can Yikes. literally go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Let that alien eat you with your big mouth and then the tiny mouth. So. <laughs> I'll, I'll eat you with my, tail, with my little mouth, <laughs> too. Oh, you know, no, first, you get back in there, little the mouth. The first like, too. alien reference um, I ever saw was I saw Spaceballs before I ever that. saw any of the aliens. Hello, movies. my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my back. <laughs> so I had no idea what that was. <laughs> God, I love that. It's um, my favorite. It's my favorite Star Wars movie, to be perfectly honest. There you go. <laughs> Was with so uh, back to the gimmicky thing like I was kind of talking about so uh, it, it doesn't work for me all the time and and when I do see things like 1917 and I'm like oh man the whole movie looks like it was almost filled in one ta- or filmed in one take that's so cool I stop later and I look and I'm like you know that movie really wasn't as good as I thought mm-hmm. it was it was just a normal war epic Saving Private Ryan was was vastly better than that Thin Red Line was better I mean there were movies that were better but I enjoy what they did with it. And so I have a hard time with gimmicky movies at times, but a quiet place, like David was saying, that was integral to the story because it made sense. Bird Box failed to accomplish mm-hmm. what a quiet place did because Bird Box was just a, a whole heap in mess. And Fuck I don't even want to get movie. started on that movie. I saw Bird the Box premiere of that movie. What? I was at the premiere Ugh. of Bird Box. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a great after party. It was a really long movie. Though. Did you guys have to wear blindfolds at the after party? <laughs> that'd be fun though no <laughs> everybody raise your glasses and yeah good good luck with that one let's play who's in my mouth <laughs> yeah oh boy there we go well for, for, with that note we will go to the f- uh the fifth and final the, question the, i have for you thingy, guys the thingy that climbed in her mouth that's the, the thing yeah the little, the little exactly. gross like, like uh the amoeba yeah the amoeba yeah weird thing James yeah Cameron. that was yeah, I mean, there was a lot of uh, special effects to that, but it looked really good. Oh, like, that I agree. Cool. I, I, that was one of my favorite parts. Of it the reminds movie. me of a resurrection plant. I don't know what that is. Look them up. They're really, really fucking creepy and cool. <laughs> my fiance is laughing at me because he showed me a video <laughs> on them the other day. <laughs> and I've been obsessed plant. ever since. Ugh. <laughs> um so okay, here here's the here's the mother of all questions, right? So so what's the meaning of this movie? What, there there's, there's got to be one, right? Like, what is what is the meaning? What is Duffield trying to say here? Because this isn't just a, a typical alien sci-fi thriller home invasion movie. There's a meaning. And I think we've been touching on it for the most part. I know I in my mind, I thought it was pretty clear, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. I don't think there is one. I don't either. <laughs> then what was the, what was the ending about then? What, 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 why? Oh, because she's been so so alienated from her community that <laughs> the living with the aliens, like the, the humans taken over by the aliens, is the only time she's going to have anything resembling a normal life. And because she's lived 
this way for so long, she is trapped in the past and, and living, you know, what her mother taught her. Mm-hmm. And so she's just, you know, she's never going to really become a full fledged human adult woman, but that's okay. Cause now she can have a thruple with these two <laughs> alien, alien sex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the alien man and the alien lady. That is that's exactly well, not exactly. That's what I was thinking as well. It's it's alienation. It's 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 about isolation and alienation, and it happens to be with aliens. Um, I, I think they were a metaphor for what can happen when you're alienated from a society or from a community, and the things that go on in your head, or just the longing for uh, for a belonging. Um, when she finds her community, she finds her people. And I mean, the title itself is called, I have to look it up again. No one will save you. you. (laughs) No one will save you. Now there's a big part that they're missing from that, that old adage of no one will save you, but yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important for Bryn. And this is why I'm glad that they only had her as the main character and pretty much the only character is she has to do all of these things herself where her neighbors are getting abducted one by one, like fish in a barrel. She kills off three aliens by herself and still is able to to kind of uh, survive, right? Until she gets That's abducted. We already know she has the ability to kill in her. And 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 this is this movie's about it's about acceptance, forgiveness, forgiveness, uh, forgiveness, and finding that community um, w- with what you need to do and dealing with grief. And so that's that's how I saw it, and I really did appreciate that. And I think that that's what Brian Duffield was going for. The things I did not like about that ending which very much felt like Pearl, by the way, at the end when she uh, she breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera and kind of waves her hands. Um, the thing I didn't like about that is it's basically saying, okay, the only way I can do this is if everybody is an alien. And I'm like, well, that's that's not necessarily fair. Yeah, the only one that can save you is yourself. And you need to face those demons and, 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 and um, deal with the penance and stuff yourself. But like the townspeople are also guilty and there should be a way to find commonality between them, not them becoming aliens. And so I understand it's kind of a metaphor and it felt very a nightmare on Elm street at the end where her, her house is all fixed. Now it's a sunny day. She's happy. I was just waiting for Freddy Krueger to pop up. Right. So it, it seemed a little odd to me, but that's, that's how I took it as, as the alienation um, and, and how it can affect you. I think she's also, she's choosing not to fight the aliens anymore, but to let them take over everything so that she can have this life. Acceptance. She's accepting the life that she has and that's that's what she's she's getting. But she's also condemning the entire town yeah. to death for alienating her. See what you get when you mess with the warriors? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, David, did you think of anything? Uh, you know what? When uh, uh, what you presented... I, uh, I'm smelling what the rock is cooking. Oh, there you, know? you go. <laughs> uh, uh, Jabroni. I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't uh, matter. <laughs> I, uh, I, I like what you had to say, you know, all, uh, and on both, both sides, both, you know, this, uh, I think they're doing this and I like this, but I don't like this about it. Like, I I agree. Like, I, I think that, um, would have made for an interesting ending if everyone returned back to normal and they had to face some sort of like collective consequence of ignoring Bryn. Um, Fuck them. Yeah. But I, you know, I don't know. I, I liked the ending because I wasn't expecting it at all. Mm-hmm. 
uh i mean to be fair i i I just at this point i just turn my brain off um when i watch movies so i can just try and be as surprised as possible by the endings um and so yeah i i liked the ending uh the 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 fact that it was like a mix between a happy ending and uh melancholy yeah and melancholy for the rest of the world yeah yeah you're like she's dancing while everyone else is getting abducted and you're kind of like huh okay (laughs) but it also it tells you something about her character and who she is right yeah i uh i i I still felt like she was a little like alien possessed at the end, but I, I don't think, I think objectively speaking, I don't think she was, I, I think she's just in that, that, uh, flying solo headspace. That's like, I had to fly solo for like Mm -hmm. 12 years and, or 10 years. And she's emotionally stunted a bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that I I think that's something that we kind of lightly touched on, but didn't dive too deep into is that she is very much like, although she has like the, the abilities and the agency of Mm -hmm. someone, her, uh, her actual age, Mm -hmm. uh, she, she, the, her mannerisms and like her dancing and how she has like the foot placements on the the floor. I thought that was a nice touch of, and like, I'm not saying that like doing arts and crafts, especially miniatures is a kid activity. Um, that was what Tony Collette did, uh, Uh, in, um, in hereditary. Uh, but yeah, uh, emotionally stunted is a great way to, to put it and a great point to bring up. Well, it's yeah. that, you know, there's this a lot of there's a saying that people who become famous stop emotionally maturing at the age they became famous. Mm, that's good. She stopped emotionally maturing yeah. at the age that traumatic thing happened. Yeah, mm. that makes sense. And that would make sense why, you know, some of her outfits and I mean, mm-hmm. she, I, I really liked her outfits a lot. I did but, too. They were very um, pretty. Yeah. But I like I like that vintage aesthetic mm-hmm. I always have. Mm-hmm. And she pulled it off very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. just the, the dollhouses and all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, yes yeah i i agree with that completely the, the whole thing felt like uh felt very stephen king like uh mm-hmm. like the tommy knockers is one of my favorite king books and it's uh i mean it's there's a lot with the tommy knockers that just fucking goes off the rails in amazing ways um that is uh dissimilar to this but the whole like collective town um going into a hive mind all except for one person um that's very uh, that's a very strong parallel between mm-hmm. the tommy knockers in this um, there's also there's a lot of episodes of the x-files that have that hive yeah. mind thing yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. that's a yeah. good point um cool all right, you guys. So that's actually all I have for the the questions. Um, let's go to our hottest takes. So defend your hottest, most controversial take on this movie, movies of this genre, on actors, on directors, on whatever. Um, how about David? Go ahead. So uh, no one please come at me or come after me. Uh, <laughs> this is a safe with, space. <laughs> yeah, w- with large, heavy, blunt objects. All due respect and love to the Alien slash Aliens uh, franchise. Ellen Ripley is one of my favorite female characters of all time, not just in horror, but Nope is the best Alien movie. 
My man. Wow. Of all time. I um, like that take. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to you know, just short and sweet. That's what it is. I almost said like uh, Nope is my favorite alien movie, which is also accurate. But, you know, this is supposed to be like a, a you know, objective, quote unquote, hot take. And so, yeah, I I mean, like I said, all due respect to the, the aliens franchise. Uh, it's fucking solid. I love it. Um, but I think Nope is one and done. And it said so much without hardly saying anything at all. So I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love Nope. I think that it was so effective for me. But also, I'm a huge uh, Jordan Peele stan. So like for me, yeah. I'm like, ah! uh, <laughs> but it worked so well. And visually, Hoyt von Hoytema was the DP for that. And the way he shot his night scenes was incredible. And so, like, I had a hard time watching this movie because when it was dark, it was really dark. And this is just a trend with a lot of streaming stuff Things in the past too few dark years. To see. Exactly. And I do know, you, you know, you had some CGI with, with darkness, but this, the CGI was actually pretty solid in this movie. It's just yeah. that. Um, the dark scenes were a little too dark for me. But anyways, with Nope, you could still see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And there were moments in that that, you know, there weren't even aliens. And I'm just like, I don't like this at all. Like when he's in the barn and he starts to see the head poke out. It was so oh effective. Oh, my for God. Me. Yeah. Um, and then just moments where very reminiscent of fire in the sky, you know, when in Nope, spoiler, when they get sucked up into the the, the alien and you see them through the like the esophagus or whatever. I hated that part. I hated that part. It's it's probably it's the part really gory. It's, it's like, really it makes your Yeah, it's so gross. I'm getting goosebumps thinking of it right now. And then yes, my my nipples are cutting glass. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the um uh, the chimpanzee sing. Uh, that was probably one of the most um, like fearful scenes I've seen in a movie in, in quite some years. Here comes Gordy. Yeah, Gordy. And and like I just know that that shook me to my core um, and especially how uh, Stephen Yuen talked about it and how he deflected his trauma. And mm. it was so clear to me that this guy was still dealing with trauma. But I like that take a lot. Um, that's a that's a fascinating take. I still love Alien, though. It's really hard. Yeah. To argue oh, yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> like so, I said, I dig yeah. it. Okay, Amanda, what's your hot take? No, you go. You go next. What's your hot take? Okay, well, okay. Um, well, let me write a couple of these down real quick. So, I believe that, and I I discussed this earlier too with with the less is more approach. Mm -hmm. I think that less is more is is the way to go when you're talking about making movies, um, specifically for horror movies. That is how you can really uh, gain, um maybe an understanding or appreciation for the film and, and really just kind of run with it and, and be terrified of it. So I'm talking about movies that don't immediately show you the villain or don't immediately show you the entity or whatever. And so my issue with no one will save you was they showed too much of the aliens and it really took it away. It took, it took me away from the film. I got kind of like, I don't know what to do with this movie. And so that, that kind of bugged me. Now, I realized that a lot of movies that I have liked recently or of recent mind that that come to mind that have this example are things like Paranormal Activity, Hereditary, Alien, It Follows, and The Invisible Man, the one with Elizabeth Moss. They Mm -hmm. do such a good job 
of not showing you what's going on and just using the camera to play around with stuff. Um, oh, and this movie too, which I'll talk about in a second, but uh, they, they use the camera as a tool and it's so great and so effective for me. It follows terrified me. Like that movie from that opening scene, when you see the the jump cut to that, the body just on the beach, I'm like, holy fucking shit, what are we watching? Yeah. And it works so well, in my opinion. Um, and maybe call that some sort of a psychological horror. But mm-hmm. uh, a movie that I think did a, a much better job capturing that sci-fi mystery alien type movie. I'm a big, big Twilight Zone fan. And um, in 2019, this this smaller film came out on Amazon Prime, and it's called The Vast of Night. I remember that one. I saw it on a recommendation, and I was blown away. Now, I can't recommend it to everybody because it's very, very talky. So it is um, it is a wordy film, but it's done. A lot of scenes are done in one take, but they follow. See, that's a- what I didn't love about it. The one take started to feel really gimmicky to me, and I was yes. like, can we look at another character? Because I'm actually like getting distracted. So that can be, and that's why I have a hard time um, you know, recommending it. Now, I know I said I don't like gimmicks as much. I really liked it for this because it worked so well because it combined the the conversations. And I felt like I was listening to like an audiobook while I'm watching this, a visual audiobook. <laughs> and they don't reveal what happens until the very end. And even then, you don't even really see it. It's all up to your imagination. And it's so goddamn good. And I think that when you know, nothing scarier than our own minds, because let's say all three of us, we go see a nightmare on Elm Street and they never show Freddy Krueger. All three of us are going to have different views of what Freddy could probably look like. And that's the coolest thing is, is that's going to be mine and no one else's. And so I love that cerebral effect in horror films. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I believe that, you know, the less is more approach is, is the best thing you can do for horror movies. So there's my hot take. I can dig it. Sorry, that was very wordy. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just like it, the vast of night. Yeah. Thanks. Except I'm not like talking to people about aliens out in the New Mexico desert. And uh, yeah, God, I loved it. So anyway, you know, the gimmick in that one got to me. I was like, I could, oh, we're I could still see that. Take. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. And, and that's why, again, yeah, I had a hard time recommending it to people. I have a hard time recommending talkie movies to people like Oppenheimer. Absolutely loved it. But I know people would be like, When's it going to mm-hmm. blow up? When's there going to be some action? Yeah. Like, yeah <laughs> well, I also remember the sound. And oh my God, I have this about a lot of movies. And you know what? I appreciate that this had no dialogue because I find that a lot of movies and shows made for streamers have God awful sound mixing. Yes, they do. That's my hot take. <laughs> okay. So much of this stuff being made now take. has such fucking bad sound mixing. And as I recall, I had a lot of issues with the sound mixing in The Vast of Night that we had to put on the subtitles. And look, I like watching certain things with subtitles, especially if they're, you know, not American. But I shouldn't have to. I I am not someone who is hard of hearing. I actually have very good hearing. So if I'm having trouble, you did not sound mix this properly. And it's not that fucking hard. And like, I have a movie right now on the festival circuit. We had a goddamn great sound mixer. And when we were at one of our festivals, we had an older woman at the talkback say, I really appreciated your sound mixing. I heard every single line of dialogue that was heard, (laughs) even though they're having sex like 90% of the time. You can still hear all the dialogue. (laughs) It's not that hard. Get a good sound mixer. 
fix the levels for at-home viewing versus in-theaters viewing. And like, yeah. these are going straight to streamers, so it should just be for at-home viewing. Why are they not sound mixing it properly? Fix your music levels and your, your, I should always hear the fucking dialogue. That's my yeah. rant. I, I'm, I'm with you on it. When I have to adjust my TV in a certain way and the loud parts are way louder than the dialogue, it really pisses me off yeah. because then I have to turn it down. Um, I, I watch like every movie with- being too dark. Yes. I watch every movie with subtitles, so that doesn't really matter to me, but I'm, I'm with you and it really frustrates me. And especially with Hulu, with the ads, the mm-hmm. ads would be, you know, the movie would be talking like this and the ads go, Whopper, Whopper, Whopper. It'd just be so loud. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'd have to turn it down. Whopper, no onion? Yeah. I'm you like, know what oh I've God. noticed actually? If you watch things on Tubi, they turn the volume down for the ads. Oh, I love that. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I noticed much. that. Tubi's Tubi is my jam. <laughs> I, I would pay for Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have to. That's the I know. genius. Exactly. We get what we get on Hulu on Tubi, but we don't have to pay it for it. Yeah. Yeah. Tubi I like, coming in in the clutch. I like yeah. that take. Yep. A lot of the sound mixing for streaming stuff is just ass. Yeah. Garbage. That's a good one. It's and, and this movie did such a good job with the sound mixing mm-hmm. for the effects of everything. The, the sounds that the aliens make were super creepy. They definitely, I think, uh, used inspiration from like a quiet place mm-hmm. uh, because they did such a good job with the sound mixing. So yeah, there's in other films, obviously, but it was, that was cool. That was probably one of my favorite parts. too. I loved the sound mixing. Yeah, it was great. And I never say that about things for streamers. I'm usually like, God damn it. I didn't hear that line. I shouldn't have to stare at the subtitles. They should be there because I want them there. And the truth is I hate Hulu subtitles. They're not timed properly. They aren't very good. HBOs <laughs> suck. Netflix has yeah. good subtitles. Amazon has pretty good ones, but I've noticed a lot of wrong lines. Netflix has the best closed captioning. Hmm. Okay. It's the most. There's a lot of hot takes right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd say um, that's all accurate. Like Netflix, I don't, maybe it's because they've been around the longest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I have noticed with a lot of other streamers here recently yeah. that uh, like missing words here and there mm-hmm. is fine but i have seen yeah. um words that are incorrectly transcribed yeah yeah that i guess either sound like what they said but it's a completely different word yeah yeah um and uh, i'm just like here come the ai bots yeah like, you can tell on netflix that that Gosh. was a person who went through and made all those choices yeah. whereas if you watch it on um on Hulu, it's just not timed at mm-hmm. all. You'll mm-hmm. hear the line and then you'll see it. And then I have to turn it off because that distracts me yeah. so much if it's not timed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Amazon is hit or miss. HBO, the subtitles, sometimes they're up there. Sometimes they're down there. Who knows? But they also, they <laughs> get in the way of the, the screen. It depends on what it is too. Because like Hard Knocks, it's way, yeah. the timing's way off. But movies for HBO, the subtitles are pretty good. But yeah, you're right. I was watching a show on, on Amazon and it was a British show and we put on the sub, the closed captioning. And the most annoying thing was it was a British show, but it's set in Italy. So there were a couple of scenes where the leads are British, but there are a couple of scenes where people were speaking in Italian. Now, if you are watching an English language program on Netflix that has occasional dialogue in another language, your closed captioning will not say people speaking in foreign language over the embedded subtitles for that foreign language. And that yeah. happened. I was like, what the fuck? Did you not have a person double yeah. check this? It's one of my least favorite things. Or, or when it doesn't have, I watched Red Dawn the other day and uh, the subtitles when they were, I had subtitles on, but it takes away the subtitles in Russian that are embedded yes. into the actual movie. And I'm like, 
wait, I don't know Russian. What is he saying? So oh I had to turn God, the subtitles hate, off. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Yeah. It was annoying. But. You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> it really grinds my gears. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, you guys, thank you so much. A very, very fun episode. Um, I kind of slightly like this movie better, but like barely. Um, so <laughs> what What about, what's your letter grade? Amanda, what's your letter grade for No One Will Save Us? I actually Save really, I, I really enjoyed this. You know, do we think it's the most amazing groundbreaking thing? No, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'd watch it again on a bigger screen. Um, I don't know. I'll give it a B minus. Ooh, okay. That's a good rating. Yeah. That's like an 80. I like yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Nice. David. Yeah, I'll give it a B. Um, I gave it four out of five stars on um, Letterbox. Wow. So, um, yeah, I uh, nowadays, uh, you know, if you don't uh, piss me off that I wasted my time with the movie, like mm-hmm. I'll give it between a three and a half and four stars. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, you know, uh, above expectations, then it's like four and a half and then five is reserved for the elite obviously but yeah this solid four-star movie um in my opinion i i think um you know it, it had its issues but uh overall you know i solid alien flick yeah. um you know I, I don't think a ton of alien flicks are being made nowadays mm-hmm. um, so That's it was kind of cool to get another one and get one that that went back to like the roots, uh, especially in terms of the, the design. Um, but at the same time offered up something new, something similar to a quiet place, right. but not the same thing. Not like a straight copy where you're just like, wait, I saw this movie like two years ago. So yeah. Yeah. Solid. Right on. Okay. Um, I'm going to go see plus, uh, there were just too many things for in it that I was like me. It is what it is. Um, I try to reserve my B's for movies that I, I like, and then A's are ones that I'm like, oh my god. But yeah, C plus. Um, I would def- I'll definitely recommend it to some people because I think this is right up their alley. And this is for you know people who maybe aren't like huge horror fans that want to be have some some suspense and some thrillers. So I definitely would recommend it to everybody. Um, you know, there's a lot that can be taken from this movie and and liked and learned and loved and whatever L word you want to put in there. Uh, but I believe that it just didn't really hit for me as, as hard. And maybe I need a little time to marinate. Just watch it today. So, um, okay. Looking at the dog. Oh, yeah. You. Little, little yeah. Ron. Little Ron. I was yeah. captivated. Yeah. I was too. Yeah. Ron. I'm going to take Ron. my walk in a second. Um, okay. Well, uh, real quick, uh, where can we find you on socials, Amanda? The same place as always. <laughs> what about the new listeners? We're bringing in new listeners. Come on. Um, on all of the socials, I am at Amanda Jane Stern. That's all the socials. Uh, uh, yeah, that's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you could Google me. That's so weird to say, but I'll pop up. So. Google me, bitch. <laughs> I will pop have, up. <laughs> have you seen Four Four Christmases with Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon? No, I haven't. He like, he's, he's wrestling his nephew, and the re- nephew goes, Google me, bitch. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> It's funny. But I don't know. It's it's my like, I don't know. Where can you find me? I guess you could just look me up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. David, what about you? Uh yeah. Um I can be found at uh, at Geek Garage uh podcast and Geek Garage Gear on Instagram. Um both a podcast and a uh crafting um handle. I do it's mostly Tumblr making. Um, and then of course the podcast, and then we have a 
Facebook group, uh, the Garage Podcast fans and listeners. Um, that's where we're mostly active. Um, we hold like fun polls and conversations about, uh, you know, your prototypical nerdy topics as well as, you know, some more like accessible pop culture type stuff. Uh, everything that's within the, you know, pop culture zeitgeist will discuss on there and, um, kind of helps prompts for new episode topics. So. Yeah, I'm excited about the new episode you get. You're gonna post soon. I know it's been a while, um, dude. It, uh, yeah, it, it's my life is just a, a gigantic mess. My daughter dumped a half a bottle of Coke all over my wife's laptop like 30 <laughs> minutes before we started oh, recording. No. Oh, man. Like I just I like I was listening to a podcast with one earbud and oh. uh, I was like weeding some vinyl that. I had cut from my cricket machine and all of a sudden, like I just hear like dumping and fizzing and I'm like, <laughs> like I just slowly turn and I'm like, no. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, well, she uh, just turned, um, let's see, seven. Uh, but she, uh, both my kids have autism. Uh, she's on the more severe end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, she she knows better. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think she might have tried to take a sip out of it. Not uh, uh, and, and it you not. know we 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 don't allow our kids to have soda because we don't want their teeth ruined like no, ours. I yeah. well, I didn't. Um, my parents didn't let us drink soda growing up either. So. Yeah, um, not like they need the caffeine anyways. No, the but, caffeine, the sugar, definitely not. But yeah, not I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happened is if she took like a small sip and like just was like, who would drink this? And like, <laughs> let me save the world from this disgusting oh, beverage. I like, could imagine it coke tasting disgusting smile. to a child. Yeah. 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 Of course it was cherry Coke. So oh, she dumped out coke. my favorite. Oh, I love but I could coke. definitely see how that would not taste good to her. <laughs> Have to drop some elbows. Uh, pour out for the homies. <laughs> right. Um, well, both of you, thank you so much for being on the show. You're obviously always welcome back because it's just a blast. Um, and I believe uh, you're both going to be back for the mm -hmm. next episode when we do Friday the 13th, part six. And yeah. don't ask me why we're doing part party that day. Oh, never mind. It'll just be David and I. Yeah, I'll be back um, next week. You'll be there in spirit. Yes. But uh, you can still watch Friday the 13th Part I'll 6. I'll things to you say. You can text me some things to say. And I'll explain later why I'm picking that one in particular. <laughs> so, um, cool. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter and threads at DBCrazyPod and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts, give film suggestions, Tell us if we're crazy or just send funny memes, videos, GIFs, GIFs, whatever you want. Or peanut butter. You can send me some GIF peanut butter. Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a five-star review if you like us. Additionally, we're also available on every other major podcast app. Thank you for listening. And until next time, don't be crazy.